Hey there. I Hi, think. how are you? I'm good. I'm good. How are you, Jesse? I'm really good. Excellent. Well, let us begin with a prayer. Do it. Do it. So we're grateful and thankful right now to open our hearts and minds, opening ourselves to the unlimited good flowing right here, right now. We're in tune with the infinite. We partner up with the higher Holy Spirit self to know our true identity is the perfect love that we already are. So grateful and so thankful to open ourselves to the unlimited, to the unprecedented. So grateful and so thankful to say yes, 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 to be of service. To share our healing, our expansion, our clarity, our love. To bring benefit to all beings. So grateful for this. In grace, in gratitude, we let it be. And so it is. Amen. 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 Indeed. Hmm. Yes. So, wow. yeah, go for it. Whereabouts are you? I'm in Montecito. Okay. Mm-hmm. Cool. We're just <clears throat> getting ready. We leave tomorrow morning for our retreat. So oh, I'm just, great. of course, you know, starting packing. <laughs> Yeah, I thought stuff. it was last weekend. That's funny. Oh, no, no, it's this weekend. <clears throat> last weekend was our, uh, we did our anniversary thing. Right. Oh, I thought you were doing it the weekend before. No, it's the weekend after. It was the uh, the 18th to the 22nd. Oh, somehow I thought it was the President's Day weekend. I thought you were doing the celebration, uh, the anniversary. Anyway, uh, I have had it all mixed up. Let's talk more about that. <laughs> where else Where else in your life are you feeling a little mixed up? <laughs> <sighs> it's good to hear your voice. It's good to connect with you. And you as well. And uh, let's let's see if you have any questions or anything like that, because I know others will be listening to the recording. So, yeah. <clears throat> um, you know, honestly, I kind of uh, am continuously amazed by the fact that there are absolutely no new stressful thoughts. No new what? Stressful thoughts. Oh yeah. You know, it's just, it's funny. It's like, it really is, uh, I'm getting so much clarity around the um, concept that we are one mind. Um, And in that too, so are floating around, you know, the, uh, or at least it's only one ego thought system. And in that are just regurgitated stressful thoughts. Yeah. Um, And, I mean, though the, Scenarios differ and often just slightly differ. Um, it's the same thing. It's I thought it was going to be different. Um, I thought, it, and it always comes back to it should be a different way. It really should be a different way. Uh, there's comparison, comparing myself to somebody else. I feel like a failure. Um, 
you know, whatever it else it is. I need more money. I need uh, a partner. I wish I, I don't know why I hate my body so much. And it's all, but I mean, like every single time, every time I sit down with a new person, it's the same thing. <laughs> and uh, so it's really interesting to observe that, to see that. Well, you know, and part of that is, Jesse, that our clients are going to bring us versions of our issues. For sure. Yeah, so that's why it feels so familiar. And that's why we can also be helpful because we're working with the same things. We have compassion. Yeah, for sure. Well, it's interesting too, like, um, it's, it's, and I also have like a toolkit of things that I have found so helpful for me to move through this and to heal a lot of this. And I feel like a lot of it is just, <clears throat> you know, like so many of the things I feel are 99% healed, but it's not completely released until it's 100%. And this has definitely helped me look at the, like the, like sort of the crevices of um, outmoded beliefs that I was carrying about myself, you know. Mm-hmm. And uh, through that, through walking them through, uh, you know, uh, the healing process, so too am I healing it even more. And what's interesting <clears throat> uh, is I'm finding that they are having ahas way faster than I did. But, yeah. Um, but I think that is because I did the work for them, you know, and it made me really grateful for all of the... Um, you know, everything, all the work that I have done because it's that whole idea of the meeting of the mind, you know, like I've done the research, I've had the experience, and I've always, always shared the healing with everyone, and this is an extension of that. Um, And so it's really been fascinating to see them move through, like have the insight, be able to connect the dots really quickly, and then... um, you know, feel good. <laughs> hmm Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, you start to see the patterns for what they are. Yeah, for sure. hmm And how they're just uh, that, they're patterns. Uh-huh. And um, that's why Phineas Quimby... In his work, you know, he was the healer that uh, Mary Baker Eddy went to and had the healing and the revelation. Um, She's the founder of Christian Science. And um, he, that's what he talked about, was he realized that mentally he had the ability to see actually the patterns and to see that they were thought forms that coagulated into illness and sickness and upset and thing, and beliefs. And uh, that they could literally just be wiped away because they, they're nothing. They're, they have no power in and of themselves. They only have the power that we give to them. So it's like a, a, a virus or some kind of um, thing that, if you don't feed it, it dies. Because it has its it has doesn't have its own volition. I like that analogy. Yeah. 
And love, self-love, is the antidote to everything. Yep. Well, it feels like a lot of like all a lot of the roads just go back to unworthiness. At least my in my experience, at least my mm-hmm. you know group of clientele, you know, it's mm-hmm. uh, a lot of that. And where does the unworthiness come from? Well, I mean, based on my studies in A Course in Miracles, I'm led to say that it comes from guilt, the guilt, uh, uh, the subconscious guilt, based on the belief that we separated ourselves from God. And we somehow separated ourselves from God. And uh, so an extension of that guilt manifests itself as unworthy, unworthy to be here. Um, you know, ashamed of that. But, um, I mean, if I was, that's not like information that I'm sharing with, you know, people who are new to (laughs) this sort of thing. I find that, you know, um, unworthiness usually just stems from um, misidentification. Identifying as something other than what we truly are, which is perfect, whole, and complete extensions of perfect love. And us, how we tend to operate is we gather proof to, you know, we gather proof to uh, evidence to prove our theories about ourselves right. So it's like we become these masterful, you know, prosecuting attorneys for (laughs) our case. And so we go and we find all these, you know, we enroll people that will affirm our you know, beliefs of unworthiness or whatever about ourselves in whatever particular form that we are definitely looking for affirmation. Um, And uh, so we have more proof and evidence that it's true, that others see it, that I'm not crazy. We don't want to feel crazy. So we find, we gather all this evidence to prove our unworthiness to be accurate, Um, which, you know, can be applied the other way too. We can decide to find proof that our life is working, that we're lovable, that we're, you know, beautiful, that we have all of the um, spiritual qualities of the divine readily available at any time, pre-installed within us. So it's really just why, so why I say that it's just a misperception, it's just a mistaken identity, is because that's really what it is. Yeah. Well, you're wise to say that the proof is within, because if we're looking for the proof outside of ourselves, it's always going to elude us. I want to ask you a question, uh, because, you know, I've not studied with anyone else about A Course in Miracles. So I honestly don't, I mean, what I, obviously I know what many other teachers say about A Course in Miracles, but only in my limited experience with them. You know, I've done a half a dozen things like today I had John Mundy on my radio show so I've had a half a dozen let's say conversations with John and so I know what he said in those six conversations but I have no idea what he's saying outside of that but um, because you've studied more of what other people are saying what is it that people say in terms of why we chose to separate ourselves from God and how we did that. Like, what is the mechanism that we used 
to create the illusion and why why did we wish for separation? What do, <laughs> well, or, or, and where do they point to the course to illustrate that? It's that phrase that saying, um, you know, uh, oh God, I need to look at it. Tiny you know, mad idea. Uh, the tiny mad idea. Yeah. Um, you know, I think I, I find that there's two schools of uh, course students, which is funny that there's two like separation, but still, um, I've just seen kind of two approaches to the course, and the more fundamentalist. The sort of the Kinwapnik sort of school is that it's a belief that the ego thought system is an attack on God, and they'll say, you know, I've read you know teachings that like, um, and I would say like, even the beautiful trees under the ground, their roots are fighting, uh, you know, strangling each other, fighting for the resources. So it's always it's always a war, even if it looks beautiful, it's always an attack on God. Um, I have found that uh, with that sort of perception uh, comes a lot of depression because how depressing is that, you know, to think that everything around us is just an attack on God. Even our most beautiful things is an attack in some capacity. Um, And so those tend to be the folks that are like, goodbye world, not interested, I'm just focusing on, um, you know, this mind training and waking up from the illusion. And then there seems to be another school, and these I find are the course students that have a little more science of mind or new thought background as well. Um, sort of approach it as if we're here by choice, that we're here sort of collecting information for the um, for the collective. You know, we're gathering information for the collective to answer the question: Well, what would it be like to be separate from God? Which is impossible. But what would it be like? And that could also be the tiny mad idea. And since, you know, uh, in the infinite, you know, structure that is God, the creative force that is God, every answer, every question is answered. And so this is sort of the answer. But we get to be play within this sort of, I don't know what you want to call it, vortex um, by choice that we incarnate here by choice that we. Uh, incarnate with specific things to bring specific information, you know, back. Like I, like I'm, I incarnated in 1980 as a gay male to my specific parents on June 19th, 1980 at 7:01 a.m., where uh, my son was in Gemini, and da 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 da. So I have the specific astrolog- astrological structure that I have, so I can everything like that plays into a specific choice that I made, so I could have the specific set of experiences that I've had so I can bring them back to the collective. Um, but it also, you know, encourages, the Course says, that the Course is not aimed to teach what love is. That's unteachable. But we can also say, in a sense, that it's not trying to teach us what God is because it's unteachable. We can't comprehend it uh, with the thinking that, we're, that we are equipped with here and now. And so there's many passages that say things to the extent of the ego analyzes where spirit accepts and allows. And so at the end of it, uh, to answer your question, it's sort of like, well, who knows? You know, or really for me, I've really learned, and I find this to be much, uh, much more peacemaking, peaceful making, happy making in my life, is who cares 
What are we doing today to be loving? Yes, you know what? You can decide that this is an ego attack on the world. But you know what? I've read the Helen Schiffman biography. I've read the Bill Thetford biography. And there's sort of, it's funny because there's sort of two approaches. It's sort of the Helen approach or the Bill approach. And Helen hated the world. So, of course, channeled through her is the ego is an attack on God. She hated it. She was miserable. You know, she wasn't a happy person. She wanted out. And so through her, of course, is channeled the ego is an attack on God. Bill, who took the course, really practiced it, really did the work, would get to a point when someone would be, you know, if anyone would be um, arguing about the course, would go to the page they're arguing about and tear it out. Yeah. Rip it out. You're missing the point, you know. And he, did you ever hear, did you ever read his story? It's such a wonderful mm-hmm. story. Um, his his biography, this woman wrote a biography called Never Forget to Laugh. And that's his thing. And so the last couple of days of his life, he was in such a state of bliss. People were like, are you okay? And he's like, I can't tell you how okay I am. He goes, mm-hmm. everything is just, he goes, I'm at peace with Every relationship, everything. And they were like, well, what about with Ken Wapnick? He's like, yeah, no, I called Ken and we're so at peace. And they're like, well, what about with Helen Schickman? He goes, oh, absolutely. We're so at peace with her. I just feel so much love for everyone. And he goes, and I just feel so flexible. You know, and he was just enjoying his life. He would would try new adventures. He was getting out of all of the boxes that he had put himself in his human experience. And he was just so connected with everyone. He would be singing out of nowhere, and this is how he literally died, and I love this, how he left his body. He was going on a walk, it was, and how great is this, it was on 4th of July, mm-hmm. um, so Independence Day. He went on a walk, to meet his, he was going to meet his friend at the market, and his heart exploded. <laughs> he literally, it's a, it's a special, rare thing where your heart literally explodes in your chest, and he had left before he hit the ground. And so uh, I just think that that's such a beautiful you know, testament to we do have a choice. It is perception. But while we're here, what feels more peaceful? What feels more aligned with joy and love to think that this is an attack, an ego attack on God, or that we're here as adventurers? I tend to like to lean into that just because it makes me feel a little happier, that it's not so, you know, I can be present with my husband and and not think that, oh, this is just, you know, whatever. Or I can enjoy, you know, the beach and just really marvel in the beauty and the perfection that, and the peacefulness that I experience as a result of taking in the beauty. Um, and so, yeah, so I'm interested to, like, <clears throat> you know, there's so many um, wonderful teachings in the world, and the Course is one of them. And I think, you know, if applied thoroughly, sure, there's the path of um, awakening available. Um, but again, with I, I, I'm definitely part more of the Thetford School of, but the point of the course isn't the word, isn't comprehending the, um, isn't comprehending the teaching. The point of the course is to experience the miracle, which is a moment of truth, is aligning with perfect love. So what is making me feel loving, this? You know, I, I see a lot of people get very, like, mad scientists with the course, you know, like trying to analyze it and decode it and all these things and pages and pages, which I've been there, done that for sure. But when I can just 
breathe into it and allow like myself to do the you know to do the practices do the workbook as outlined as suggested and then do my best to just be loving today to the best of my abilities work through fearful thoughts as they arise and you know life is so much more enjoyable enjoyable and I, I think that's such a important word enjoyable because the course says God is joy so we should be in joy at all times, right? In God, so we should we're supposed to enjoy our lives, this experience, and so it really makes it clear that that um, um, it wasn't Joseph Murphy. Was it Joseph Murphy? No, it wasn't Joseph Murphy. That follow your bliss. Who's that? Campbell, Joseph Campbell. Campbell. Okay, that's literally our. It's our it's our map for life. Is, yeah, go. What feels inspiring? What feels loving? And then at the end of the day, who cares? <laughs> you know, mm. who cares? I've spent too much time caring, but I realized I was missing the point, trying to figure it out. So um, that's my. I, I think I'll step off that soapbox, <laughs> and I will. <laughs> I said my piece. So I don't think I answered your question, but. Um, it go, all goes, as far as I understand, it all goes back to the tiny mat idea. That idea being that we, uh, you know, that we can separate from God, which is absolutely impossible and never has happened. So, it gets to either be a wonderful adventure experiment or a nightmare. And I think that if we know that we get to choose, I think the choice is pretty obvious for me, at least. Yeah. Yeah, I was just t- keep me posted on that because you know in the course uh, in the uh, the hero of the dream section where the tiny mad idea phrases it says into eternity where all is one there crept a tiny mad idea at which the son of God remembered not to laugh in his forgetting did the thought become a serious idea and possible of both accomplishment. And real effects. So, I truly believe that we created this karmic system as a divine experiment in order to experience separation as a way to quicken the mind and to awaken and achieve even more beauty, perfection, and all the things that we are able to achieve. And we got trapped in the karmic system that when it was designed and implemented, it was not imagined that people could become enamored of separation the way that they have. And in in the course, there's a, um, where's that? It's uh There's where it says the tiny mad desire talks about. It says um, the Holy. Well, let's see. Let's back up. It says since you. This is the in the link to truth in section chapter twenty five, section one, paragraph five. It says since you believe that you are separate, heaven presents itself to you as separate too. Not that it is in truth, but that the link that has been given you to join the truth may reach to you through what you understand. 
Father and Son and Holy Spirit are as one, as all your brothers and sisters join as one in truth. Christ and his Father never have been separate, and Christ abides within your understanding, in the part of you that shares his Father's will. The Holy Spirit links the other part, which is the tiny mad desire to be separate, different, and special, to the Christ, to make the oneness clear to what is really one. So it talks about the tiny mad desire to be separate, different, and special. So I was just curious. Let me know if you come across uh, any further uh points in the course that relate to this because that's to me what it was is that we we got enamored of this desire to be different and special and mm-hmm. to look at our brothers and sisters as less than or better than and it, we just started creating so much negative karma we couldn't undo it and we were getting uh-huh. we just got sucked down into a mire that literally we were incapable of getting out of without divine intervention. And so now in the present moment, there's been a lot of divine intervention. That's why we're actually awakening as according to schedule, we're finally awakening and arising above it, but only because we've had unprecedented support from the invisible. Hmm. I love that. Uh, I love that. Um, what you said about getting enamored by the, because it's true. I mean, I mean, if you really trace back, I mean, almost all misery and upset is caused by that desire to be special, either being, you know, better than or less than victim of. Mm-hmm. Um, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah, it's something I talk about with Venerable from time to time. We were talking about this last week that I was saying to her, sometimes I wonder, am I enamored of making things, creating things? Because mm-hmm. I I enjoy it very much, you know, things that bring benefit like the Course of Miracles app or a class or a radio show or a retreat or something. And um, But is it a distraction? You know, is mm-hmm. it... Uh, you know, I question that all the time. What, what is my motivation? Is it divine inspiration or is it some ego motivation? And so, because it's very easy to get enamored of making things in this world or to get enamored, people get enamored with their own self-image. Yes. Yeah, I understand that. I, You know, this year... And actually, it was this summer. I remember I, I just went to, uh, I went to uh, Lake Shrine, and I just got on my knees. <laughs> I just remember getting on my knees, and just being in prayer for like two hours, just, just uh, asking for support to cleanse and clear ego motivation, and to truly align with um, the nature, the power of altruism. And to fully understand that. And on the uh, other side of that, being similar to you uh, in the uh, in enjoying creating things that do bring benefit, 
um, I've had to give myself permission to go forward towards my inspired ideas, trusting that um, mm. that uh, you know I'm not going to judge the ideas that come through me. They're easy to judge as being ego based or whatever, but I have made such a strong commitment to live in love for love as love and to support other people in doing so that I'm not going to judge them so harshly because I feel like that judgment of what I'm categorizing as, oh, no, that's ego, oh, no, that's, you know, that's pure spirit, um, gets me, uh, keeps me, oftentimes keeps me frozen, you know, and I've decided, no, I, I get to go towards things that feel interesting toward, to me, trusting that I've done enough work now knowing that... I have no attachment to the outcome, you know, but I will go towards that which feels inspiring that has been filtered through me, through the experience that I've had in this lifetime, maybe past lifetimes. I don't need to know that. But I go forward uh, trusting that it's all going to be, that's all for the greatest good, not only myself, but for all, for the awakening of all, because that's what I've dedicated my life to. I, I'm clear of what my purpose is. It's everybody's purpose. And so it's easy to... But as, you know, our society is evolving with technology and the way that people communicate here, uh, we're not trapped in a closet. We're not in a basement in meditation all day. We've not chosen the monastic lifestyle. We're in the world, you know. Um, we're playing within this realm, you know. So I give myself permission to go forward fully clean and clear, trusting that it is implemented by my highest, holiest self. And even though it might look like, you know, contacting a retreat center or doing an interview or uh, aligning with a, um, I got approached by a talent manager, so an interview, like going towards that, fully open and cool, you know. But, uh, yeah, so it, it's an interesting, I think that's always a question that we, ha- we ask ourselves as, as teachers, especially people that are, um, you know, people that have uh, specific gifts in um, speaking, you know, and and can create and are talented in creating things that bring benefit to other people, and um, you know that people listen to and enjoy. So I, you know, I can do my best, but. I'm not, uh, I've spent so much time beating myself up over, well, is that ego? And, you know, make sure that's not ego. And if it is, I will apologize, you know, I will do the, continue to do my work. I have no intention of, not, of stopping, you know, this work of continuing to go into inquiry, continuing to cleanse and clear. And thank God, thank God I have, you know, mighty companions on the path like you and Venerable and the whole community of people to support me and staying aligned with my intention. And so I feel very safe and okay with going towards the stuff that feel inspiring, my, you know, my creative impulses, and why not? Hmm. Yeah. Yeah, these are the things, these are important questions to ask. These are the things that we're working out. Because um, we go from thinking we're mostly bad uh, to realizing that our true nature is actually good. Yeah. And we don't have to worry about that anymore. We don't have to worry anymore about negatively influencing people. Yeah. 
Yeah, no, of course not. And I think that both of us have had the experience of having a shift in our consciousness that created fast forward motion, Mm -hmm. you know, and that's okay. But sometimes within that, um, it's easy to get, uh, well, you know what else too, bringing it back to sort of what I've sort of noticed about sort of the collective consciousness. And I mean, you talk a lot about purification and purifying your thoughts and also, you know, at, and sort of not protecting yourself, but supporting yourself, surrounding yourself with um, in the invisible, with things that can sort of support um, you in not taking on other people's perspective, other people's judgments, mm-hmm. which we know are just reflections. But I mean, it it wouldn't be, you know, uh, un, I mean, it makes sense to me that we would also. And stopping to have to question ourselves about ego and stuff like that often is because we can, like, you know, pick up on other people's judgments. Mm-hmm. But I know my experience is I have so judged harshly people that are doing what I'd like to do just because they're doing what I, what it is that I'd like to do, but I don't believe that I can do it, mm-hmm. you know. And so being conscious of that as well, that being an element of... Um, I mean, you, I don't have to tell you, you know, you've had enough experiences. Um, but but also, like, you know, being, it's tricky sometimes, you know, this, how subtle it can be, you know, how subtle that, that voice can be. But it definitely comes into, in the form of, you know, stopping to question our motivation, stopping to question, you know, our intention when, my goodness gracious, like, you're one of the most intentional people I know. And mm-hmm. you're also, uh, you know, someone that a great teacher of stopping and reflecting and learning. So if, if you know, the lessons that we need, you know, the lessons that we need to support us in awakening, which has been a deep commitment on our heart, uh, we, we're, we're going to receive those. That doesn't also, that also doesn't mean that you can't receive them well creating really cool things. Mm. Right? Yep. Absolutely. I mean, it's interesting, you know, in the age of Twitter and social media and all that stuff, I mean, I've observed, I've judged really harshly people that I don't think are good teachers out there teaching. And I realized that's just more opportunity for me to see, like, okay, well, what are they reflecting back for me? How can yeah. I, you know, um, you know, what am I you know, projecting onto them? And, you know, it, where am I believing in scarcity? Where am I believing in limitation? Where am I believing in all that stuff? Where am I comparing myself? And, uh, you know, and when I'm able to remind myself of that, then I get so grateful for, for supporting me and also, Reminding me of what I'm truly interested in and what I'm truly interested in teaching. Yes. Yeah. All judgment is self-judgment. Mm-hmm. Preach. So are you doing much counseling now? 
Oh my gosh, yeah, it's like raining. It's raining counseling clients. Um, which is great because a lot of people feel very, I'm, I'm really seeing the people that I'm working with feel very inspired to keep coming back and then having a lot more weekly clients. Um, and uh, seeing a lot of really great um, movement in their lives as well. Um, and, uh, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, I mean, I I think, like, um, on the regular I'm seeing, I don't know, like, anywhere between four to six clients a week, mm-hmm. which is nice, mm-hmm. nice. Um, I just... I, I realized I did a big boo-boo, so with the paperwork, uh, and I just realized this last week that I haven't been filling out my own evaluation form, but I, I'm just having them fill them out. Mm. Uh, and so <laughs> is it okay if I just start now? Because I could try to backtrack, but I'd just be making it up for the most part. I think I don't have... Uh, I mean, I could feel into it, and there's some that I could definitely recall more clearly than others, but uh, uh, I... Well, uh, yeah. let, let's say this. If there are any uh, evaluation, any sessions that you've done that stand out as being particularly good, let's say, that felt like, wow, ka or felt like, ugh, I, didn't, I wasn't so good there, and you have enough memory to make an evaluation, that might be a worthwhile exercise. But, no, you can start from now. Uh, you will need to do the required number. Um, I uh, also will be submitting my bio and picture, so you can put it on the website as well. Great, good. Yeah, I just, honestly, it hasn't been an intentional thing. It just hasn't been, I just haven't had so much going on. But I was actually working on that before the call. Great. Yeah. Um, Okay, so here's a question. Uh, Counseling versus treatment versus prayer treatment. Uh, I mean, there's usually a prayer treatment, at least in the counseling that I've done, towards the end of it. Oh, you know what? Actually, I want to share an experience I had uh, with someone. Uh, one of my uh, one of my clients came in, and she was just sobbing. And literally, the first half hour of our session was just sobbing. And uh, this is someone that has, I've had a lot uh, of sessions like that. Just so you know. Oh my goodness, mm-hmm. um, and. You know, she's in uh, a lot of uh, pain. She feels like she's in a lot of pain. Um, And she has specific diagnoses that justify that. Uh, So she really wears those, uh, the diagnoses as uh, definitely like, Badges of honor, you know what I mean? She really leads with that. Um, it's a big identifier for her. Um, and uh, so she was just crying and crying and crying. And it got, I, I got clear, clear, clear guidance 
to pray with her, just to hold her hand and and just pray, do a strong uh, prayer treatment with her. And what happened was uh, an experience that I've never had before, which was, I mean, I heard a voice from within tell me it's time to demonstrate. Uh, It's time to believe. And it's time to heal. And I was like, wow. And I realized that for so long, you know, like I've been gathering a lot of information, getting a lot of experience, uh, you know, reading the books, doing the things, all that stuff. But it was like time to believe it. And uh, it was really powerful because I, you know, a prayer came from within me and came out and I just held her hands and I went into prayer. It felt sort of like a trance of sorts, but not really, but it felt like that a little bit. Mm -hmm. And uh, I mean, within, it felt like a blink of the eye and it was like 45 minutes later. And uh, I mean, it, I mean, like a huge, definitely a huge shift in the energy of the room. And I, I watched for the next couple of weeks as her, everything just lightened up for her so much. Um, and it felt, uh, it was a really interesting experience. I mean, I'm not making myself magical or special or important by any means. I know that it's definitely not me doing the healing, but I got that aha moment of, oh, yeah, we have to believe this. We have to believe this. And based on the level of our belief will be the level of the healing that is available to unfold. And uh, it's a really sort of powerful moment. So it felt like a bit of a uh, uh, corner that has been turned for Mm -hmm. for me. And Mm -hmm. knowing, like standing in the knowingness of it. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so that was a really powerful experience. But I guess my question is, so like when we do a prayer treatment, it's not about the story. Like people, I've, I've really found that people love their stories. You know, they really love them and they, and they want to just sit and tell you their story. And in counseling, there's a little bit more of the room, the space for that, of listening to what it is that they're moving through, you know, you know, inviting them to explore where there might, you know, where there might be some projection going on and if there are any patterns and really getting clear on that. But how do we not energize? What's the difference between, I'm not even sure what the question is exactly. Like, because I'm not interested in energizing the story, but, like, how do we allow them to share that without giving it any power other than just knowing the truth for us, for ourselves or knowing the truth for them, you know, knowing the truth, period? Does that mm-hmm. make any sense when I'm oh, trying yeah. to leave that? Okay. Yeah. So here's what I'm hearing. Um, what I feel guided to share is... In my training as a spiritual practitioner at Agape, what I noticed is virtually all of my colleagues, if someone 
comes to them for prayer and says, I've got a job interview tomorrow, and uh, I really want to get this job because I really need to pay my bills, and I've been unemployed for a while, and I can't stand it anymore. And uh, so I'd like prayer to get this job. Uh, as a prayer, it, 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 when they're just coming for prayer and there's no counseling, I just go, fine, got it, right into prayer. Sometimes I would repeat back to them, so this is what your, your these, these are the results you'd like to have, yes, okay. And, and uh, then when I pray, I don't pray about the specifics of getting the job. And some people would be like, wait a minute, you didn't pray to have me get the job. But I can't do that in good conscience because I don't know what the highest and best is. How would I know? Right. I have no idea what the highest and best is. But I do know absolutely that the highest and best is a manifestation and a demonstration of what the answer prayer would be, which would be for them to experience sharing their gifts and talents in the world in ways that are deeply fulfilling and enjoyable in the place where they're respected and honored and they are having a, a pleasant time. Uh, what I know is that Abundance is their birthright. Prosperity is their natural state. And for them to experience that, to be in the flow of abundance and prosperity, is what is a healing result. And that um, to be in the flow of divine inspiration and divine guidance in every minute of their day, that's their natural state. So I always pray in every prayer that the natural state is revealed and that it's effortless, it's easy, it's graceful, and we're grateful for it. It's happening now. So I don't get attached to things happening in form. Now, when particularly when people are um, experiencing illness or they're asking for prayer around um, like, oh, my brother's going to have a surgery tomorrow. Can you pray that it goes well? Well, what I can do is I can affirm that God is all that there is. And so those who attend your brother are, they're the hands of God. Their hands are the hands of God. Their mind is the mind of God. And that everything that transpires is divinely ordered. That the angels surround and enfold every being there. And everyone is guided by infinite intelligence. And all that transpires is the very highest and best that's possible. I have no problem energizing things like that. That's my job. But to say that the surgery is going to go the way this person thinks well is, I can't do that because that's attachment to a, a limitation, and I'm all about releasing attachment to a limitation. Right. Sure, if that entirely answers your question. Yeah, no, I mean, I, that I understand. I totally comprehend that as far as uh, treatment goes. So is it appropriate to offer a treatment at, like that uh, of course it's appropriate to offer a treatment like that at the end of a counseling session, yes? Oh, I start and end every session with prayer. Yes, yeah, so do I. Um, 
Because you you would you benefit from having the whole conversation in a field of prayer. Now there are times when the counseling session is a bit odd, and uh, there are times when, <clears throat> for instance, you're actually having a counseling session with someone who maybe isn't sure so sure they believe in God, and to pray with them would maybe freak them out a little bit. Yes, great. I'm so glad you're talking about that. Yeah. So in that case, because I've had that experience a number of times, so in that case, you, you can definitely, you can pray silently. You can say, you know what, let's just take a moment and go within. Just want to mm-hmm. just clear our minds like clearing the palate before we, you know, bring ourselves present into this moment. Let's detach from the history and what we think shoulda, coulda, woulda, and let's bring let's stop thinking about what we're going to have for dinner tonight or what comes next or anything from the future, and let's just take a, take a minute to just join together here and come present to the moment. Most people won't have a problem with that. It's actually a relief to them. Mm-hmm. So you can do that, and then you can pray silently. But you also can pray on the sly. So, and I've done that many times with people where I've just, I've said things like, you know, I I really believe that um, all there is is love. And that love is actually in and through everything. And I'm Mm -hmm. grateful for that awareness. And Mm -hmm. right now, in this moment, I can actually feel that we're we're in a field of love and that things are working together for our good and that our conversation I can feel it's it's going to be healing and nourishing it, it it already is it's happening you know we're we're coming together for uh an uplifting and inspiring purpose and that that this is a good thing it, mm-hmm. it's a really good thing and and honestly I can say that our coming together and being able to talk about these things openly and honestly in a, a field of love and kindness and gentleness and gratitude it's going to bring benefit to everyone you know because mm-hmm. there's a connection and I feel it and, and I'm grateful for that and so mm-hmm. I think we can just establish that and let that be and uh, yeah and, and what what, uh, what are you feeling mm-hmm. and nobody even knows you just prayed but you've got them to agree with you. Mm-hmm. So, you, so yes, yeah, so you can pray silently. But if you can get them to agree with you, be to in agreement, that's even stronger. Mm-hmm. Yep, yep. Mm-hmm. But you'd be surprised. I mean, and it's kind of fun to play with it. You know, how can you just kind of insert a prayer like that? Mm-hmm. You know, I've done it with people who were arguing with each other. Mm-hmm. And just interjected and said, you know, just, I mean, I don't even remember now, but just find a way to say, uh, let me just ask you a question. Do you believe that love is real? Yeah, so so if love is real, and then you just kind of, you just speak the word. Right. But nobody even knows. Right. Mm-hmm. I like it. 
Yeah, and you know what? You'd be surprised how people are willing to pray. Because I, I remember years ago, there were a few times when I was asked in, in the spiritual mind practitioner in the uh, science of mind, they have, um, as part of their licensing, uh, they have uh, written exams and then they have oral exams. And so I used to sit on the panels for the oral exams sometimes. And I remember... There was uh, someone I asked them on the panel, would you ever offer to pray with someone who wasn't asking for it, you know, that you didn't know, like on the street with people? And he said, absolutely not. I would never proselytize like that. I would never, never do that. And I said, well, you know, I'm just going to invite you to open your mind about it because I, I have found myself in situations with total strangers who were afraid and worried, and they were really upset. And I I just looked at him and said, how about if we pray right now? I'll, I'll say a prayer for us. And I've never had somebody say, absolutely not. No way. How dare you? I only ever had somebody say, Oh, wow, cool, okay, great, or yes, thank you. So even with a counseling client that you might think would totally reject that, I would say partner up and see if that's actually true or that's just your fear. Yeah, uh, I, and I thought I think anyone would reject it. I just think that a lot of people are so new to, like they're just dipping their toes in, this sort of practice for the first time um, that I want to ease them into it. So, but I get what you're saying, and I actually really like your approach, suggested approach. Here's another thing. I remember when I first moved to Los Angeles, there was a woman in the, I was working at Universal Studios, and there was a woman in the same department as me, and she was taking science. She just started science of mind classes. She was just learning about spiritual mind treatment. And uh, I remember I was talking with her on the phone. I was upset about something. And she said, can I do a spiritual mind treatment with you? I'm learning how to do it. Will you let me say this particular kind of prayer with you? I had nothing to lose. So I said, sure. Okay. And it shifted. The circumstances shifted. And so, I don't know, a few weeks later, I was upset about something, and I went over to her desk at work. And I said, remember when you did that thing on the phone? I definitely felt better after that. Can you do that again? She said, oh, I'd love to. So I think, you know, here's the thing. We're teachers. Every single person in the spiritual counseling training is a teacher. Mm-hmm. And so, and this is our calling. Mm-hmm. And so, people are coming to us because we're the teacher. Right. That's why they're coming to us. So, we can safely rest in our role as the teacher. And one of the things we're teaching them is that prayer works. Right. And so I think it's really valuable and important to be able to say to a client, Jesse, when it starts, and say, 
I mean, this is what I would say, perhaps, in your situation. In my studies, in my life experience of all that I've been through, the hell I've been through, and the heaven I've experienced, I've learned a lot of things. And one thing I know for sure is that prayer is the most powerful technology there is on earth. And so I, that's why I like to start every session with a prayer, because it's going to shift the energy. Would you, are you willing to shift the energy? Like and that. that's why they're there. They want you to lead and teach them. That's what they're hoping for. Even if they're incredibly resistant and reluctant and appear to be totally stuck in their stuff, they're there because they're willing to shift it. So I, have a, uh, I have a new client coming in next week, so I'll experiment with that and let you know how it goes. Great. I'd like to share a funny story I heard really quickly before class ends. Cool. And uh, it was about this guy. He was getting, he would go, uh, he wanted to get a practitioner uh, to work with. And so he was in the pro- process of becoming a practitioner himself. And so he uh, was working with this old older woman. And she was probably in her 70s or 80s. And he noticed that he kept going to her, and in the first half of the uh, first half of the class, her lips were always moving uh, while he was talking. And he was like, or the first half of the session, he was always curious about what that was. And at first, he thought that she was like reading his lips because she couldn't hear very well and was like repeating it to herself. And then he was like, maybe she's just talking to herself. <laughs> uh, he's like, maybe she's, I don't know. And so one day, he finally said, he goes, I'm sorry, I, you know, I, I noticed that your lips are moving. And she goes, oh, yes, they are. And he goes, well, what are you saying? She goes, she goes oh, I just keep repeating um, not a word of truth in it until you're done with your story, until you run out of gas, and then we pray. <laughs> so she just kept repeating not a word of truth in it, not a word of truth in it, not a word of truth in it. As he was, like, telling his story of woe and victimization, <laughs> so she was just holding for herself the truth. And he was sitting there, like, telling the thing. She was just listening kindly, but as she was affirming to herself, not a word of truth in it. <laughs> Pretty funny. Yeah. And lastly, lastly, uh, to bring it back to the course, to go back to the course, I was, um, I'm leading the, the study group now at Project Service for Course in Miracles. And we don't actually read that much of the course, but I've been reading a lot of stuff from Circle of Atonement about the course. Uh, and then we go in and we sort of read the course a little bit more, and then it's sort of because I feel like it's really great to help you digest the meaning. And we were reading in the court. We were the whole year is dedicated to forgiveness, and uh, so we uh, were reading. I think it's in the clarification terms, I believe, uh, about forgiveness, and it said that one of the most beautiful things, and it was talking about. Enlightenment, uh, but through forgiveness. And it said that uh, as when we see the face of Christ reflected back to us, will we have attained enlightenment? Will we have? Will we have? Or it was something to the extent of will we have attained enlightenment, or will we have realized or actualized our enlightenment? And the next step is simply a step over the threshold, which is God's job. But I just thought that was so beautiful, that idea of when we see the face of Christ reflected back to us. And 
you know, not the picture of Jesus that we're all familiar with, but, you know, pure innocence, the innocence of, you know, pure luminosity, the light of love reflected back to us. But we have huge enlightenment. I thought that was such a beautiful, uh, a beautiful thing. And contemplating that and working with that has really helped me so much stay out of judgment uh, because it's just that beautiful reminder of, you know, it's the innocence that we're looking for. It's the innocence. It's our job to see the innocence in everybody as teachers of God. I just thought that was so beautiful and such a wonderful way to hold it. So that's very beautiful. Thank you so much for your time. Yes. Well, let's pray out. Do it. Yeah, thanks for that sharing. Mm-hmm. Mm. Oh, so grateful, so thankful to rest in our heart, to rest in the Christ, to know that all is well and that we're one. Taking this breath of love and gratitude, we consciously bless everyone in our lives and most especially every client we have ever had or will have. Blessing all those who come to us, blessing ourselves, knowing that we are blessed and we're a blessing. So grateful to know that this is so. So grateful that God is, that love is, and that we're tuned in and tapped into a divine intelligence that is always pristine. In grace and gratitude, we joyfully allow our healing to be. We let it be. And so it is. Amen. And so it is. Amen. Beautiful. Love you, Jesse. Love everybody. Love you too. Thank you. Bye. Bye.